there was a pastor young in China. And uh, my wife and I have had the privilege of being Hong Kong, China a few times, taking Bibles over. And Pastor Young, when he got saved, he was very poor and he wanted a Bible. And he, he prayed for a month. And then he fasted for a couple of weeks after that. And eventually he got a Bible. And he sent word then, some years later, to thank the people from the West who sent them in a Bible. But Young, Young became a pastor. And the state caught up with him. And he gave him a four-year sentence in prison for preaching the gospel and teaching. The prisoners at cell number two hated him. As he went into the prison, they hated him. He was one of these God people, and uh, they hated him. They gave him a hard time, but the love of the Lord shone through in his life. Eventually, after some months, salvation came to cell number two. It was a great change in that cell. The change was so great that the director of the prison heard about it and he noticed what was taking place. And he sent the officers down one day and they brought Young up to the office. And he said to Pastor Young, he says, young man, I'm going to give you a special job. He thought maybe he was going to get a special job and get free. He said, there's an evil prisoner called Hugh Wang. He's chained hand and foot. He's waiting execution. He's an evil man. He wants to kill himself. Anyone that comes near him, he wants to kill them. And he said, I'm going to take this man. He's 22-year-old, Huang, and I'm going to put him in the cell with you, young. And he says, you look after him. You feed him. You care for him. And if anything goes wrong, or if he dies, you're to blame Huang was taken and he was put in the prison cell number two. And the prisoners were very annoyed having this man. He was very evil. His language was atrocious, his behavior. He was filthy from head to toe with food and blood and from the beatings. And slowly Pastor Yun would talk to him, try to feed him, and eventually he got feeding him. And he said to the men one day, he says, would you give us some of your water? You got a cup of water every day. Now, if you know anything about those prisons and the heat, you just love a drink of water. Each of the men gave a little of their water and they took an old rag and they washed Huang's face. Took the blood off his face and the dirt and they washed his face. And they got some old rags and they put them around the chains on his wrists and his ankles because the bone was showing through on his ankles to ease the pain. And Huang was slowly changing his behavior. Young told him about the Savior, told him about the Lord Jesus Christ that loved him. But one day, Yuan, he got some bread and he hid it in his old rags. He said, I'll have that later on. But that evening, in came the soup, as they call it, and Huang was saying, look at this filthy soup. He says, there's not even a piece of bread in it. But when none of the prisoners was watching, Yun took his little bit of bread and he broke it into Huang's soup. And as he did that, Huang changed. He says, you really do love me because you give me your piece of bread. The hardened heart was softened and touched. And Huang bowed his head that day 
And he said, Lord, I thank you for loving a sinner like me. And as he did so, the Spirit of God entered his life and his heart, and peace came into his heart, came into his mind. You see, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The change was great. Each of the prisoners in the cell were so happy. They said, look, we've got to identify with all the other prisoners that we are Christians. So they had an old blanket and they took the red thread out of the blanket and they sewed on each of their ragged shirts a little red cross. Hugh Ang says, I want one of them. I want everybody to know that I'm a Christian, that I'm on my way to heaven and glory. August the 16th, 1984, in the evening, each prisoner gave them a little water. And they took some water and they poured it upon Huang's head in baptism on the 16th of August, 1984. The 17th of August, he said to Yun, he says, I want to write a letter home to my parents. His father had helped them out on previous occasions, but the last letter he had got from his father was, he said, I'll never see you again until your day of execution. He said, I want to write a letter home to my mum and dad and tell them that I'm a safe boy. He began with an old pen to write the letter on a piece of paper and the ink ran out. So he cut his hand and he wrote the letter in blood. He asked his family to forgive him. He asked his family to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. The letter was smuggled out, as they do in prisons. And that evening, Pastor Young got some water, and he washed Huang's feet. The next morning, 8 o'clock, that was the 18th of August, uh, 1984. 8 a.m., they had a little bit of breakfast, as they would call it. And then they heard the voice calling, bring Huang out. The officers came in. They tied him from his feet to his head and they dragged him out. They took him into the courtyard. They put a condemned hat over his head. The last words he shouted out was to his fellow prisoners, we shall meet again in the kingdom of heaven. And they shot him through the back of the head. Huang, a sinner who was shot in death. But we think of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got there the death of a sinner, but what about the death of a savior, friend? The Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved. Love, here's love. Love without looking for a repayment. Genuine love, real love. The deity, the headship of all the world, the creator of the world gives his son. And he steps out of the sinless courts of heaven and he steps into a world of sin and turmoil and filth. And he comes down into this world to reach sinners like you and me. If you're sitting and saying, well, I'm good enough, I don't count myself a sinner, well, then you'll never be saved, friend. The Lord Jesus Christ 
came to save sinners. And the Lord Jesus Christ stepped out of the glories of heaven, born of Mary, born of a beautiful woman, the Son of God, yet Son of Man. And why does he do this? That he might reach you and I in our human nature, the God of heaven, once you and I saved. Deity, humanity. He was a boy. He was a man. He lived a sinless, spotless life. He never was angry. He was obedient to his parents. There was never a lie that left his lips. He never coveted. He never stole. He never was angry. He never had evil thoughts because the Lord Jesus Christ was the sinless, spotless Son of God, yet Son of Mary. You see, the wages of sin is death. Now, hold on a minute. We better stop there because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. If the Lord Jesus Christ had no sin, oh, he wouldn't die. You ever think that? If the Lord Jesus Christ had no sin and the wages of sin is death, then the Lord Jesus Christ wouldn't die. But how did he die? Why did he die? What, what, what brought about his death? He took my place. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took my punishment. He took my hell. Yeah. His blood cleanseth me from all sin. His blood cleanseth you from all sin. My, it's wonderful to know that there's cleansing. And he took, he's my substitute. He's my so I know some of you have been watching the rugby and all the rest of it in England were beaten last night and all the rest of it uh, just by one point. It was so sad and it's so wonderful that Ireland did so well, but they were beaten too. And every, every here and there along the game, you see one of the boys going off, you see the lad going off a sore nose last night and he was taken off and a substitute comes on to take his place. And there's you and I sitting in our sin, in misery, and the filth of the world and the thoughts of the world and the lies and the corruption. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he takes my place that I might be saved and forgiven. His blood cleanses me. His body was broken that I might live and rejoice. Yes, I, I said rejoice. Joy, joy, rejoice. Rejoice in God's salvation. Oh, the joy of eternal life, friend. The joy of it. I probably said it here before, but I often think of it. My dad was a wild man in his young day, and he drank quite a bit and liked to scrap a bit, and he got saved. And the man met him one day, and he says, Willie, how are you keeping today? He says, I am so happy. He says, why are you so happy? Well, he says, my sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven and I have the price of a fish supper in my pocket. Couldn't be bad to that, you couldn't. Because there was a time when he wasn't forgiven, there was a time he wasn't on his way to heaven and there was a time he did, definitely didn't for the price of a fish supper in his pocket. 
You see, God's salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, my substitute, my Savior, the sinless, spotless Son of God, and he came and he died, and his death takes the sting out of my death. We'll see that in a moment. Oh, and he was raised from the dead again. Up from the grave he arose. Why did he rise from the dead? Because the Father was pleased with the sacrifice and my substitution. God the Father saw what happened was a pleasing. And the Lord Jesus Christ has arisen. He has ascended through the clouds. He's in glory. He's our mediator. What's a mediator? Well... If you've had a fallout with some friends and I come along and I say, look, come on and we'll get together. We'll sort this out. Put the kettle on and we'll have a cup of tea and there's a few buns there and we'll have a bun and a cup of tea and we'll sort this problem out. Mediator. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ and he came down to earth, the son of God, son of man, and he says to the sinner, I'll bring you to my heavenly father. My blood will forgive you and cleanse you and you'll be clothed in the garments of righteousness and I shall bring you to my Father. Washed, cleansed, forgiven, clothed and I'll present you to my Father and he'll accept me and he'll accept you. What a saviour, what a mediator. Oh, today the sinner and God are in opposition. Friend, if you're in the meeting today, if you're on the internet and you're not saved, you're in opposition to God. You're condemned. You need a savior. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth me and you from all sin. One savior. You say, I know there's a savior. Well, have you accepted him or rejected him? You can accept or reject, can't you? Oh, people say, you know, Reverend Baxter, there's no such thing as a free choice. <laughs> I, I, well, let me tell you, there is. I had a free choice this morning of getting out of bed or lying on. I said to the wife, do you want porridge or do you want something else? What do you want, cornflakes or porridge? Oh, we taste the porridge. I had a choice. Should I have cornflakes or porridge? And then we turn along to salvation and we say, we have no choice. My, let me tell you, you can accept or reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You can say, I love my sin or I love my Savior. What do you say this morning? I love my sin? Or can you say, I love my Savior? Oh, there's many excuses. People say, I'll wait till later. I'll wait till I'm older. I'll look at the hypocrites. I couldn't, can't. Oh, friend, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. And so we have the death of a sinner shot. We have the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, a Savior who was sacrificed in Calvary. But we come to this man that we read of in Scripture, in Acts chapter 8, verse 54, down there. And here's a saint. Here's Stephen. And in Acts chapter 6, it tells us about Stephen, how he got into the work of God. He was saved. He came to know Christ as his Savior by faith in Christ. And there in the church, they needed helpers. And they had enough preachers, as we could say. They needed helpers. The disciples, they said, look, we're very busy. There's a bit of a problem. 
Some of the widows and orphans, they say they're, one's getting more food than the other, and some's getting more money and more clothes, and he got an Adidas tracksuit, and he got a Nike, and I want this, and so forth, and there they are. And there's a bit of a dispute going on. And the disciples say, I tell you what, we need some men that'll sort out this dispute. Now, what was their job? Well, it was going to serve tables, the Bible says. Well, there's a brave lot of people today and they just wouldn't want to serve tables, would they? I could give you an explanation for that, but they don't want to. Run up into the pulpit. They want to do everything. But they're not happy to do the menial tasks. And here they were. What was his work? Serving tables, food, money, clothes. Seven men, chapter 6, honest report. Seven men, honest, full of the Holy Spirit. Wise, filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, now, Reverend Baxter, you're going down that road of this so-called sanctified life. Yes. 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 What does sanctified mean? It means set apart for holy service. Set apart. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. The double portion that Elisha wanted. Oh, not only a salvation there, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, but after salvation, friend, there's service. How can you serve the Lord unless the vessel's filled? Yes, the vessel needs washed. We washed the dishes before we left home. Nothing I detest more than going back home to dirty dishes sitting there, especially the porridge pot. And we wash the dishes and we fill them with coffee or tea or soup or whatever it is. And do you expect God to use men and women and boys and girls that are not washed and cleaned? Do you expect them to fill them with the Spirit of God and use them unless they're clean? And here's Stephen and he was clean. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm talking about being clean. And they were chosen by the people and what was the result? Oh, my, you read over there in chapter 6 and verse 7. The word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. How did the word of God increase? By preaching. Yes, preaching, surely. By prayer, yes. But by faithful men doing service at the tables. By faithful men. Stephen was one of them. And there's a move of God. God was working. But then opposition comes. <laughs> Every time God works, there's always opposition, you know. Stephen was good at his work. Here's Stephen coming, Mommy. I wonder what he's got for us today. I brought you a loaf of bread and some vegetables there. There's a wee pair of shoes for the children. Thank you, Stephen. Before I go, I'll read a verse and we'll have a wee word of prayer with you. Thank you, Stephen. Mummy, here's Stephen coming. <laughs> Stephen was the talk of the country. And if you read the scriptures carefully, Stephen did more than was expected of him. 
Now, we have a lot of people today and they go into a shop to work and they'll do the least they can do. That's not should be a Christian. That's not the Christian example, friend. We, we have farmers and they get some young fella in and all he'll want to do is steer the tractor. <laughs> Give him a, a grape or a shovel or a brush or anything and he, he just leans on it. <laughs> the child of God is to be a worker. The child of God is to be honest filled with the Holy Ghost. No matter whether you're serving at a table or brushing the street. The wee man in Belfast one time was talking to him and I said, what do you work at? He said, I sweep the streets. I said, that's a good job. Ah, he says, I can't preach very well and I can't pray in public, but boy, I can sweep the street. I said, well, tell me more. <laughs> he says, I wear out more brush heads than any man in the council. And he says they knew I'm a Christian. Oh, friend, can you see this here? Serving the Lord, doing a little more than God asks you to do. Why? Does God say it? Does God repay you? Yes, he does say it. God does repay. In the human element, we expect pay, don't we? When I was a wee boy before I became a wee man, we lived in Hillsborough, and my mum on a Saturday always liked to wash the floor, clean the lino. It was lino in them days. And I knew this. So I would nip in on Saturday afternoon, and I'd get the bucket of water and a soapy water, and I'd go down my knees, and I'd wash the floor, and I'd do the kitchen, and I'd do the scullery. <laughs> you don't know what sculleries are. Ask your granny. Wash the scullery floor as well. You say, what do you do that for? <laughs> I knew Granny, I knew my mummy baked on a Saturday afternoon. And I knew if I washed the floor, I'd get a bun. And I would get the bun, and I'd be happy. Tell me, will God not supply your need if you serve him? Will God not give you the bun if you wash the floor for him? He will, surely. And here's the opposition. They begin to see Stephen and they begin, they don't like it. Oh my, he's serving the Lord. He's, from what I read here, he's a very happy man. He's enjoying God's service. And the opposition don't like him. And they begin to speak against him. And they argue with him. And to find that his wisdom is greater than theirs. And he defeats them. Now you read those chapters previous there uh, in chapter 7. The, the, the wisdom and the knowledge he had was tremendous. They begin to hate him. In verse 54, chapter 7, they heard these things. They were cut to the heart. They gnashed their teeth. They were angry. We, we've got to get rid of this man. He's only an ordinary man serving tables, giving out food. He's speaking, he's reading, he's talking, he's witnessing. We need to get... He was a bigger threat to the heathens than the disciples were at this time. And they decide that they'll have to kill him. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And the crowd gather round and even there in his last moments, what a witness he is. What a witness. 
Saul or Paul, Saul standing there. That young man with bitterness in his heart and wickedness and evil and hatred. And he watches Stephen die. And the crowd watch. What a witness. Men with murder in their hearts, yet withal, there's a witness of God's salvation, what God can do in death. You see, when you and I die, there'll be a witness. You'll be a witness. You could die with curse on your lips, cursing God. Or you could die praising God. A friend of our family a couple of years ago died. But before he died, he got saved. Just saved. And he says, bring the family in. And he told them he got saved. They'd meet them in heaven. His last words were to pick a hymn for his funeral. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Only a few days saved. Yeah. Witnessing in life, witnessing in death, surrounded by wickedness, surrounded by evil, bitter, cruel men. We live in a day and age of anger and hatred. Now they haven't taken us out and stoned us, but there's bitterness and there's hatred. And the child of God will not be... <laughs> It'll not be all love and sunshine. Violence, murder, drugs, alcohol, wickedness. But you and I are placed there to witness, friend. And as they take Stephen out, they begin to stone him. They take their coats and they throw them at Saul's feet. Young man, look after these coats. There's money in my pocket there. Don't lose it. That's the meaning of that. They took off their fancy clothes and they led them to the side that they might stone him. And you see the stones starting to bounce off this young man as he kneels down in prayer. He's not in Coleraine Hospital, Altney Galvin Hospital, anything like that. He's not in a comfortable bed. There's no nurse, there's no doctor, there's no water for a drink. And the stones begin to bounce off him. In what way does he die? Friend, when you get older, you begin to read about heaven. In your early days, you read Genesis. <laughs> when you get older, you read Revelation. Yeah. And we begin to think about dying. And he says, Behold, I see the heavens open to the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. My, in death, he looks up. And the stones are bouncing off him and is hitting his head. And he sees the Lord Jesus Christ standing He's got up off the throne and he's welcoming, waiting to welcome poor Stephen home. Read about John Bunyan and how Pilgrim was welcomed home. Yeah. Here he is. Welcome home. And how did he die? It was on down to say they cast him out of the city, they stoned him, the witnesses laid their feet, the young man's feet, they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, 
fell asleep. He dies praying. He didn't die cursing. He didn't die in bitterness. He died praying. Remember this dying thief? One died cursing, one died praying. Friend, you have a choice. A choice in how you live. A choice in how you die. You can die cursing or you can die praying. The choice. The sting of death is gone. The Lord Jesus Christ, my substitute, has taken the sting of death because it said he fell asleep. Now, you and I like sleep, don't we? <laughs> I do anyway. You come in the house and you've been busy and you sit down and you say, I'll have a wee cup of tea, Chris. We're making a wee cup of tea there. Give me one of them wee wheat and biscuits. And you have a wee cup of tea and a wheat and biscuit and the next thing, you're asleep. And you look forward at night time. Last night we come home and I said, oh boys, I'm dying to get into bed. This will be great. And you get into bed and you pull the quilt over or the blanket or the whatever it is. It's peaceful, it's quiet, it's sleep. Friend, that's the way the child of God will die. If you're one of God's children. A sinner who was shot. A saviour who was sacrificed. And a saint who was stoned. Let's sing a verse in closing. We'll take a moment and sing five.